Today's readings have me thinking about what's important to me. A good thing to think about from time to time. What is important? What do I center my life around? What would I not want to live without? The answer will likely change as we go through our lives. When I was three years old, I expect I would have said, my dump truck. It was big and bright yellow and had a little motor in it, which made a very satisfying sound. I got it for my third birthday, and it's one of my earliest memories. It didn't go very fast, but I used to run it all over the house, loaded up with other smaller toys and Lego bricks, if I recall correctly. It was a very useful truck. I went through other short love affairs with various toys as I grew up. There was a little car that you could roll across the room, and when it hit the wall, it would burst apart into about 10 pieces. It was designed to do that. That was fun. Then I had a rocket that you filled with water and pumped up with a small plastic pump, thereby compressing the air remaining inside so that when you released it, it would shoot up about 30 feet up into the air. Gosh, I had some fun toys. And each one was, for a time, really important in my young life. Each toy also displaced another, which had been my previous favorite, and each also displaced all the other things in my life. I'm ashamed to say, including my family and friends. They came lower down on the scale at that young age. That is the nature of a favorite thing. It can become, if not an obsession, at least a focus before which everything else gives way. The favorite becomes a sort of idol, and time spent with it is prioritized above other pastimes. Later on, the toys were supplanted in my affections by other things like pretty girls in school, and I, of course, developed more mature pursuits such as reading and music and so forth. Today, like most of us, I imagine, I would respond to the original question about what's important to me by saying, my family and friends. And this is where the priorities become important. <coughs> Pardon me. As we heard, Paul is writing to the Colossians, a group of new Christians in one of the new churches he has helped set up in Colossae, a city which then existed in what is now southwest Turkey, near the modern city of Denizli. As always, he is concerned with their salvation and how they are to live now that they have received the Holy Spirit and live in the grace of God. They are to put away earthly things, meaning sins, sexual relations outside of marriage, evil desires, greed, etc., as well as anger, slander, abusive language, and lying. These things tear down the body of Christ and separate us from God. Particularly to be avoided is greed, which is selfishness. selfishness. Most of the sins I've mentioned actually stem from selfishness, from putting oneself above, above, above others and not loving our neighbors as ourselves, as we are taught by Jesus to do. What strikes me particularly in this passage is that Paul makes the further connection between greed and idolatry. 
Idolatry is, of course, the worship of idols. And the people of Jesus' times and before, all the way back to Moses, did tend to fall into that sin. They worshipped images, idols, of animals and other gods, God with a small g, and ascribed to them powers and abilities they simply didn't have, being just creations of wood or metal or stone. I think the best description of the folly of worshiping idols is found in Isaiah, where the carpenter plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it can be used as fuel. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over this half he roasts meat, eats it, and is satisfied. The rest of it he makes into a god. His idol bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, save me. For you are my God. A piece of wood becomes a God. It's important for us to learn about this, not because I think any of you are worshiping graven images, but so that we may be on guard against our own tendency to elevate objects or indeed other people to places of worship. The sin in this is not really the attention paid to idols, but the turning away thereby from the proper focus of our lives, which is God in Christ. God should always be first, before family, before career, before everything, even our own lives. That is hard to accept sometimes, but it is what God asks of us. Most of us will not be put to the test about this, and perhaps we cannot even imagine a situation where we would have to choose between God and, say, our children. If our children asked us to renounce our faith in God, would we do it? But fortunately, that's not very likely. But similar things do happen. Even in these present times, terrorists in places such as Africa torture Christians to get them to renounce their faith. There are stories throughout history of people going to their deaths rather than recant. Such faith astounds us, and it is a frightening prospect. But for us here, who by the grace of God will not face such an extreme situation, what does it mean to put God first? One helpful idea is found in the first letter to the Thessalonians in one of my favorite passages. Rejoice always, pray constantly, In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. If we put this into practice, and it's not too difficult, we will keep God in our hearts and minds more or less constantly. It is a mental discipline which teaches us to be mindful of God's blessings. We notice, for one thing, how many blessings God showers on us from day to day, from simple things like food and clothing to the love of our family and friends. And while it may be difficult to give thanks for all things, I have found that even when bad things happen, I can give thanks for the presence of Jesus beside me to help me through them. God asks us to do this, to keep him in first place. It was the first thing communicated to Moses from the mountaintop. Love God with all your your heart and soul and mind and strength. 
God gives us a great deal of freedom to live as we wish, but insists on attendance to him and blesses us with faith to make it possible for us to attend him. If we do this, if we keep God first in our lives, all other good things will follow. For God will have found us to be obedient to his will and able to control our base desires, turning away from them towards our creator. It is a sort of practice for heaven, is it not? Practice for the time when we find ourselves face to face with God and God finds us to be good and faithful servants and welcomes us into his presence. That is the real treasure to be found, greater than any we know here on earth. Blessed be God who opens up to us the true treasure of life and joy everlasting. Amen.